love solving problems. And and it's not even, you know, you say that and I have a conversation with somebody and I might even be in a low energy mood, I might be tired or whatever, and they come across with a problem and it's 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 actually involuntary. My brain starts trying to solve the problem. And I just find that technology, cloud in particular, and emerging technologies like data. They they give us so many new solutions and better solutions to solving these problems. Hey guys, it's Jeff Deverter, the host of Cloud Talk, and you just heard Emma Pudney. Now Emma is the CTO for Rackspace Technologies APJ region. Now Emma and I had an amazing conversation talking about strategies of moving to the cloud and even talking about some of those companies that have moved to the cloud but are now are moving again. So give a listen while Emma and I talk about strategies for transforming to the cloud. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. Emma, welcome to the program. Thank you. A joy to be here. How did it, uh, how have I been doing this for a year? And this is the first time we've had this conversation. I don't know. Uh, maybe because we're on the other side of the planet to you guys. I, I don't know. That probably plays into it in some way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks for getting up early for us this morning. Very, uh, very grateful for it. Now, you've been with the company about six and a half years, and uh, and you've seen a whole lot of change, not just in, in the organization, but uh, but in the industry at large. And what we're going to talk about today, something I'm really excited about, and that is sort of this, this era of eras of moving to the cloud. Now, not errors of moving to the cloud, because the cloud's a great place, but the different time periods and what those, the characteristics of that are or what they are and and what that might also mean for the future we're gonna we're gonna maybe see if we can we can tell the future a little bit uh this morning as well so um so you you've, you've come to the company you're here about six and a half years what was your very first job at rackspace i was actually brought on at rackspace to launch the professional services team in australia so it was six and a half years ago we hadn't done anything on the professional services front in region and mature businesses in the US and the UK. And I was brought on to go, hey, how can we do this professional services thing uh, in Australia? And then that just rapidly expanded into all sorts of things that I ended you up were, You were you were cursed by your own point. success and you got to do more things. <laughs> I got to do lots more things. I got to like, you know, take on things like building out the AWS practice and um, launching concepts like service blocks, which is a key way we go to market here. And yeah, a whole heap of different things. Got in, involved in projects in Japan and a strategic alliance between Rackspace and uh, KDDI in Japan. So yeah, it led to a lot of different types of activities and things. It's been a fun journey. That's great. And uh, and it, one of the challenges that I'm always amazed of how how well everyone in our APJ region sort of deals with this is, you know, in America's, you know, we complain about our four time zones and our couple thousand miles from one coast to the other. Uh, you've got a little more of a challenge in this region that you focus. How, how far north, how far south, east and west? I mean, it's a massive, massive region. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we span from, so New Zealand, where they're typically two hours ahead of me here in Sydney. 
And then we also have India in our region, which usually doesn't start, um, you know, we're doing calls with them at their 7 a.m. and it's our 12 p.m. So, you know, it's got a very broad um, regional set. And, you know, depending on the time of year, we've only got like one or two hours overlap with the U.S., and then the time zone switch, and then we have one or two hours overlap with the UK. So trying to get everybody on a on a call at the same time is uh, is often painful. But yeah, yeah, uh, kind of makes you wish you were a flat earther when everybody could be on the same time zone. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Cursed by a round globe. So um, you know, we mentioned before that uh, that the transformation to the cloud sort of falls into some different eras. And and we'll just talk about it right now in the case of of two as we were talking earlier, kind of beginning with well, when hyperscale cloud sort of became hyperscale cloud, and uh, and people starting to move their workloads. Uh, out out to AWS. You mentioned you're involved in that. We hear at Rackspace, and uh, or or and of course there's Azure and there's Google and, and the like. But uh, but then there's there's the second era, which would kick off maybe 2015, 2016 or so. But what what are the characteristics of of these two things? You defined them. So so what what does the workload look like? What does the business climate environment look like in that first era? Those first migrations out to the cloud. Yeah, I think that's it's a really interesting um, journey that the the industry has gone on. So, if you consider uh, back in the sort of 2010s and even before that, everything uh, that IT thought about was what is the infrastructure that I have, and therefore that will shape how I let the business build applications and deploy applications. And so you saw businesses really be driven by what infrastructure they have access to, that driving their application and business strategy, because the time it takes to pivot and adopt a new technology and build that out from IT, so uh, within the data center framework is, is quite considerable. So if you think of it from that perspective, people really thought about things in a sort of VM mentality. Um, because once VMware and virtualization became the thing, it was like, okay, I have um, VMs. How can I build my applications with VMs? And I think now that there's, you know, we've got the hyperscalers in play and you've got this really high degree of innovation that's not necessarily needing to be driven from an infrastructure perspective by each of these individual IT departments. They're not shackled by their own capabilities and so forth and innovation in um, infrastructure. Organizations can sort of take a bit of a step back and actually do what is, you know, I think a great step forward, which is focus on the business outcomes and the types of applications they want. So a bit more of an application focus rather than this VM focus. And they can then um, go, all right, well, what sort of infrastructure do I need to be able to achieve these outcomes? And as a result, uh, use whatever it is, you know, more of these cloud native type technologies to deploy applications and not be limited in their thinking um, based on what they have in their data center. Well, you made a really interesting point when you talk about being limited. Well, what gets limited? Does it mean we limit the business? And I think one of the things you said earlier before we started recording is one of the main areas that gets limited is innovation. When when you look at the art of the possible inside of an organization, but you look at it through the lens of, well, through, of, 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 of the compute that was that everybody understood at that point. I mean, at, at, at 20, let's, 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 
give them benefit of the doubt and say that there was a cloud available to be used in 2010. And we had a five-year run of, of cloud. We looked at everything through the lens of everything that had occurred before. And that was, I have a hypervisor and I have a VM and I can, and I can make an operating system run well there, uh, Linux or, or Windows. But the rest of it was up to me. There was some off-the-shelf stuff, but that was fit for purpose. It did things. So the only thing I could innovate was the the only the only things that I could build from scratch. Yeah, and from the average perspective, like if you're not a massive enterprise who's got a whole team dedicated and scope to delivering infrastructure and and innovating, then you're pretty much limited to thinking about what can I install on a VM. Software became a thing, and what can I install and manage on a VM? And that's going to be how I can build and deploy my applications. So, you know, that was sort of the, the landscape leading up to sort of the, the early teens and mid-teens um, of the. And it also put us at a point, it put all companies really at a point of, okay, then what's the value of the cloud? Well, it must be cheaper. Really, could, could, could it be that it's cheaper? Um, it's a little faster. I can get a server faster. And so all I can get is a server, some networking appliances or storage. So the only real innovation or power capability would be maybe I could get it faster. Um, you know, AWS would allow me to script to it. So I, that, that gave me some a level of consistency. Um, but that really just limited, you know, capability as opposed to unlocking the, the, the ability to then come back and say, well, here's what could be done. Because I also asked you before, I said, what's some really cool tech that you've seen, seen our customers utilizing or creating? And if I asked you that question, where are we now? We're 2021. If I asked you that question in 2013, you'd be limited to what they could install off the shelf software or something that they could write. But now when I yeah. ask you that question, here in this this modern era of all the capabilities that exist in the cloud, how would you answer it? What What's some really cool tech you've seen companies creating? Oh, look, I've seen a range of different things. So like, you know, um, some of our, like one of our customers in the US that I've, I've been involved with has done um, using AI, ML and IoT devices takes video stream recording in real time from firefighting situations and takes that back, that information in real time back to command center so that you can now have people who are coordinating an effort of a rescue and so forth from a centralized location with a whole heap of really accurate and um, um, sophisticated data. And so you can now direct people and, and, you know, save lives essentially using this cool tag. And then, that's, you know, has a really high social impact. I've seen similar things using IoT to be able to drive environmental benefits around um, water management systems and storm management systems and making sure that, you know, certain environmental key factors are taken into account when um, releasing stormwater and all these kinds of things. And then more on the business front, I've seen organisations that have done really smart things with data, you know, uh, some of our enterprise customers here do um, asset management of like roads and buildings and, and all this sort of thing. And they're using drones and IoT data to, you know, do um, inspections and maintenance of um, exposed wires and, and, and those sorts of things, overhead um, electrical wires and so forth, which to do from a helicopter manually is A, dangerous, and B, exceptionally time-consuming. So there's some really cool, interesting ways of using technology that, you know, each time I hear a different story, I get all excited and I can't think of all the, all the different ways that more technology could be used to enhance that or drive that further. So 
um, yeah, there's some really good good stories out there. So it's been really interesting to watch uh, as we have this conversation. Um, as we've gone down into how technology is being used to impact individual lives, it's fun to watch you really light up because you're passionate about technology and about its outcome. And that's really, I think, where that power of the modern cloud as a component of a solution, not the entire solution. I mean, if you think about what you mentioned before about being able to to inspect those high-tension electric wires, I mean, those are drones that has GPS, it's cameras, it's Wi-Fi, it's it's uploading all that information in real time uh, up into uh, effectively from the cloud to the cloud. In uh, yeah. where, where people are then able to make real real time decisions, and that's what's so exciting about technology now. But if we were to rewind the clock a little, what initially got you into technology? Because you've been doing this for a few years now. You, Rackspace wasn't your first gig. Um, you yeah. know, what what was it that drew you in? Well, if I'm brutally honest, I was doing IT and T engineering at university because, um, which is information technology and telecommunications um, engineering at university. Uh, one of only you know five females in the in the entire uh, degree, and I was working part time in a internet cafe um, where you, you know this is back in the days when we still called it the web. The right? web, you know, yes, through your Netscape web. browser. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we had little things on the street. And if, I, if I'm if i brutally honest with you, you know, as a um, in my late teens at the time, there were all these guys going upstairs. And I was like, where are all these young men going and what is it all about? And they were working in a data centre, this little tiny data centre on the second level. Um, so if you ask, you know, how did I really, really get into tech? I mean, obviously it's because I'm passionate about tech and it's really interesting and it works the same way my brain does, mm-hmm. like I'm a very mad medical science part I was also just wanting to know where all these um boys were going and and ended up going up there and over time proving myself and getting myself a job in the data center and that's out of how you know the infrastructure managed services kind of um career started and from there a job was born so it's funny you know we you know uh what the, the gentleman at Rackspace who leads our our private cloud Eric and so he comes out of a out of a cooking background, and uh, and then when he decided to jump into tech, I mean he he jumped in and he was he was racking and stacking inside of data centers, you know. And this is a guy who ultimately went on to you know be a uh, very influential in the AWS world in a true true serverless type of a world. But he he grew up as he likes to say on the on the raised floor. Um, so you yep. find yourself to Rackspace, you. Um, you get plugged in here. You you launch a couple of different you know service offerings in 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 region, and uh, so let's go back though to we talk about the old era of VMs and its limiting and whatnot. So so now we're in this newer era. Who was the customer in the old era, and who is the customer not of Rackspace but of of this technology in in this modern era, uh, by your estimation? Yeah, so I think, you know, when when you look at the new era, which is when we started, where infrastructure stopped being just VMs and started being services, right? So you're talking about like messaging services, you're talking about data consumption services, you're talking about um, functions and, and services running on triggers and all this sort of thing. So you're talking about breaking your application down into bits and pieces. When it was first launched and it was all new, I would have said the customer was basically two two types of organizations. One were, you know, the Netflixes of the world where it's, you know, cloud-born, cloud-native, innovative-driven, 
um, adopters. You know, they, they, they were on the cloud to begin with, but they were always looking at what's the new thing, what's the new thing, what's the new thing. And so you had those sort of organisations who are um, certainly the customer. And then you had a few startups here and there who were more looking at, hey, this is cool tech. I'm going to find a way to use it. I don't have a real business purpose yet, but I'm going to tinker until I do. Um, and that was probably where where that all was when, you know, if you try and think of the 20 to 2012, 2013, all the way up to 2015, 16, that is where um, these sort of more modern cloud native services were targeted. But as with many things, I think, in the IT industry, you end up with all of these sort of small to mid changes that occur, and then you end up with a convergence where things just start to make sense. And there's a bit of a click and a step change. And I think that was around the 2015, 2016, where, you know, we had, yeah, Initially, I'm going to say driven by AWS because they tend to, you know, they were the first player in the market, but certainly all these things exist today on Azure and, and GCP as well. But driven initially by AWS, where you had services like, you know, Lambda, Kinesis, um, S3, all of, all of these services were starting to be able to be pulled together. People had gone, all right, I've built platforms. And then other organizers were seeing, Oh, hang on, this isn't just for brand new, um, weird and wonderful innovation. I can actually modify my existing applications to leverage these technologies. And although it may have a bit of an upfront investment in the terms of time, I can actually get some really cool outcomes out of this. I become more flexible. I become, and this is the real winner out of all, I become more agile because now I have, I'm, I've got all these components that I can leverage. I've got, I, I can very quickly test something out, fail fast, succeed quickly, all these kinds of things. So I would say that, you know, around that 2015, 2016 mark, these cloud native services became you know, started their journey on mainstream. Um, and that's where you started to see organizations go, well, I'm not just moving to the cloud now because of cost. Because straight off the bat, everyone, you know, the first thing everyone thought was cost. I can stop running my dev environments during the evening and all of a sudden, yay, no cost there and I can get rid of data centers. Woo um, there was They were driven by cost. They were driven by the speed they could get infrastructure. Like I don't have to wait six weeks to log a provision request and have a rack stacked and all that sort of stuff, so great. And then the third one they went to the cloud for was for um, scale. I can scale up, auto-scaling. That was like revolutionary back when cloud was, was new um, to the industry. So they were the three main drivers. And now that I would say that these cloud-native services have kicked into being sort of mainstream and you're starting to see organizations leverage them to build some really interesting application outcomes. Now you're seeing people go, no, I'm going to cloud for agility. Now it means there's an upfront cost, right? Because you've got to transform. Like a lot of, there's so many organizations out there that are like, um, you know, promoting migration. We can migrate you to the cloud, lift and shift, migrate, migrate, migrate. We can get you there really quickly. But it's not about how fast you can get to cloud. It's how well you can modernize, use it as an opportunity to modernize your infrastructure, modernize the way you're deploying applications, modernize the way you're thinking about your business. And so it's really this whole cloud native concept is all around modernization because in five to 10 years time, there'll be another thing, um, you know, another shift in, in the, the pace of innovation, there'll be something else. But, you know, right now it's about focusing on, you know, how can we get that agility through the modernization? Because 
that's where you see the wins. Killer point, killer point in that, you know, when we would think about modernization, I'm going to go back to the early era or even into the, into just the 2000s or anything before that. Modernization meant, oh, I'm going to go from Windows, you know, 4.5 to 5, or I'm going to go to Windows 10 or, or 11, or I'm going to go from Dell, you know, PowerEdge to Dell, you know, R710s. And that meant modern infrastructure to us. It just meant faster infrastructure or the ability to put more storage in here. And now what you're talking yeah. about is true business trans transformation, because you rightly said, in order to be able to truly be agile in your tech, you've got to be agile in your processes and you've got to be agile in your people. And that, you know, we, we need another 10 hours to really unpack all of that, but you, suffice it to say, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of people sort of, you can't just go, all right, I'm on the cloud. Now I'm, I'm done. You know, we actually find that there's a lot of organizations who, you know, to the, due to those reasons that I explained before, the infrastructure, the scaling and um, cost migrated to cloud and they got those benefits, right? But it's like saying, um, nope, I can't think of a great metaphor, so I'm just going to say or analogy. <laughs> so it's basically those customers, they're just, they're there and they're using the cloud like a data center. So they're getting some benefits, but those huge benefits of agility, which are the ones that really create a step change in your ability to innovate and a step change in your ability to, you know, really address your market. Um, those organizations, although on cloud, are really still thinking in data centers. So there's there's not there's even another sort of shift of migration that needs to happen where all those organizations went, all right, you know, they they took a data center mentality to the migration. They're like, okay, how often do you do an infra I've done my infrastructure upgrade? Oh, done now. I'm I'm set for the next five years. And that's just not how cloud works, and it's not how you don't get or you just don't get the same level of benefit. So it's around really changing that mindset as well when modernizing. So it's modernizing your infrastructure, modernizing your deployment, modernizing your processes and modernizing your mindset to go, no, now I'm, I'm changing the way I think about my business. I'm not, you know, I'm no longer these big waterfall type projects that start and finish. I'm on a continuous, ongoing, agile, iterative improvement, modernization path. And I'm going to be on that forever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally forever. <laughs> if, if you want to get the value out of it. I've heard it said, and I yeah. really like this, is that adopting the cloud isn't adopting a new data center, but it's a methodology. Because, you know, imagine imagine you get a, you know, everybody likes to get a new car every now and again. And, and that's what we will call a waterfall type of an event. You have a current car, you drive it for a good long time, and you spend some more money, you get a new car. But imagine that car just, you know, every time, every morning you wake up, there's five new features that weren't there before. You know, the magic car mechanics come in and just bolt stuff on. That's what's happening in the cloud. Every time, you know, probably 50 new things have shown up across all of the cloud since we started this conversation. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we should, probably should just finish this conversation now because, you know, we're already behind the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've already fallen behind because we're not out there learning yep. something. Well, that, that does actually bring up a really good question. So how do companies keep up? So they're going to make this move uh, and, and now they're going to be out in the cloud and now all of this capability is there. They've gone from having a tricycle to driving a Lamborghini. And and so how, what strategies do, do you have? You've seen hundreds of companies adopt the cloud successfully, some unsuccessfully, others. And and so so what advice do you have for companies who are making that leap? I think the first piece of advice is, you know, like with, with you know, so many things, you've got to rip that Band-Aid off just right at the beginning. You've just got to sit there and go, all right, this is going to be tough 
and I need to invest time, effort, money in getting the right foundations. So you've got to make that decision that I'm going to change. You can't be a little bit in and kind of go, oh, I'm just going to move a little bit over. I'm going to do it the same way because that'll work. It's not, that's not a fail, but you're just not going to get those, you know, it's like waking up with your Lamborghini parts that you've got in the morning, but still just, you know, driving to and from the office, stop, start, not, you know, not doing it, not making most of that Lamborghini, right? right. You want to get to the track. Um, so, you know, I think the first one is just, having a, a deliberate um, decision to say, I'm going to invest in modernizing. So be purposeful. Um, yeah, very deliberate and pers- purposeful. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first one. And then I think the second one is like um, you've got to invest in your people. So it's either train those people up or hire in new skills and whatever, but you've got to you've got to give people the opportunity to play with, tinker with, get familiar with the technology so that those creative, innovative juices can can get going. And as I said, you can hire in that talent if you're, you know, you're, you're rushed for time or if you want to also hire in, you know, get some different perspectives. But that's, that's definitely um, one of the things. And then, you know, Well, just, just to hold on that for a second because it's a really great point. And, and it really, I think we should just pause because that move to the cloud, it's not a real estate change. It's a methodology change. And it is just yeah. that. It's change and it's change that that really you don't have an option as a business to figure out how you're going to adopt because your competitors are utilizing it. And so change oftentimes means hard decisions. Now, I love what you said. You have to give your people the opportunity, um, but realize that you've got as a leader to be able to communicate well, that hill over there, that's the one we're going to go take and who, who's with us. And that hill is, is, is that change. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like the elephant in the room is absolutely some people aren't necessarily going to go along for the journey. I've, you know, managed technical um, people over 20 years of my career and there are some people who are like, no, I'm a such and such technician and that's where I'm going to stay and that's what I'm going to do and no matter how hard you try and get them to see the vision that you see of the future, um, they're not bought into that. And so, you know, some hard decisions do need to be made on the occasion. But um you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for giving people the opportunity to buy into the vision and give them the support they need. And then, then you make the, any tough decisions that might happen. And I mean, you know, with, we don't, the podcast isn't about plugging rack space, but obviously another option is leveraging partners to give you that little bit of um, acceleration in that space, because there's so much knowledge, as you said, there's about 50 new features that have been released since we started this conversation. How can one organization stay atop of all of that when it's not their sole purpose or job? So using an organization such as Rackspace Technology or another organization to help jumpstart that. And also the number of times we come up against companies who have adopted cloud because of all these reasons, but haven't done it with the expertise that probably um, needs to be done if you're going to move production workloads into that environment. And so we come across a lot of organizations who have made that transition and unfortunately have made mistakes at that foundational level, which then lead to real technical debt down the path. And it's not until they either, you know, have a major sort of event and things implode or there's a security event and things implode um 
usually there's, you know, list a few things and then have implode at the end. And then that's when we often, you know, ha have these conversations with customers and go, well, actually, you know, a lot of the foundations here aren't quite right. And that's what's led to that. So if we're talking about, you know, advice for people moving to cloud, it's about getting those foundations right and, you know, leveraging a partner or hiring in expertise or, you know, just making sure that you've got those those foundational elements aligned with best practice so you don't set yourself up for technical debt and challenges later is a really um, key point as well, I think. And then the last one is, well, not the last one because there's a million, but another one, which is a key one, is like we were talking about before in terms of it's a methodology shift. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk, there's different, there's, you know, there's different frameworks, there's, you know, DevOps gets thrown around as a concept and, you know, SRE, site reliability engineering, con it gets thrown around as a concept, but there's a whole heap of sort of modern ways of managing or releasing and deploying on cloud. And I think adopting one of those, and that has a lot of cultural, um, company cultural elements that, that that need to come about. So ultimately, you know, you mentioned just before change. Um, we've also got, you know, change management is the biggest aspect. And is that sort of even a piece of technology, right? Um, so, yeah. Well, I hate to say, I mean, we talk about how amazing the cloud is and the technology and the capabilities, but so little of this is uh, to be done correctly is bound to technology. It's the people and it's the process, it's methodology, it's it's everybody knowing, you know, what direction are we going and, and realizing that as you start down that road, you used the phrase earlier, fail fast. Get to a point where you realize you're at a dead end and, and make that fix and realize just because you found a dead end doesn't mean you weren't successful. It just means you yeah. found one way not to do it. Oh, if anyone executes a perfect modernization to cloud, um, well, I'm very impressed. <laughs> you know, I, just, I don't know how to finish that sentence to, to really Way to spin it positive because I thought we we're going a weird way. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, it's there's so many challenges, but it's designed like that, right? You know, the whole idea of changes is you fail fast, you, you, you keep pivoting and just make sure you're always heading in the right direction and up and you, you're right. So, yeah. Well, and I really like your point of... Um, Use a partner. Again, not to be self-serving here, we are a partner that can do that work. But there are tons of them all around the world that can do it. And as we talk about using the, the example of there's the hill we're going to go to, and even though you've never been up that hill before, a lot of other folks have been. And especially as you're going down the first time, first couple of roads, as you take that a couple of applications down, find a trail guide, somebody who can make sure you don't fall in a hole. And in an amazing point, build the right foundation. You know, those cloud landing zones are really important. That's where you're setting up security. It's where you're setting up access. It's where you're setting up, you know, the core technologies that are going to be used. And, and everything stems from that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you talk about, you know, we're going to climb up this hill is your analogy. You don't want to get halfway up and realize you've run out of rations. That would be kind of a bad thing. So you want to make sure that you've got those foundations right so that you can you, you can get to the end of the journey and, 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 and get those outcomes. So, yeah. So um, you're kind of passionate about this. You're you're kind of you're kind of into it. Is this what gets you up in the morning or what aspect of your job keeps you fired up? I mean, you've been at the company for a while. You've uh, you've done a lot of different roles. Why? Why do you keep getting up every morning to do this? I ask myself the same question every morning. No, I don't. <laughs> Especially when, when you're drug into a 6 a.m. meeting. Some mornings, I mean, come on, let's be honest. We're not, all, we're not all at our best every single 365. But no, I love solving problems. 
Um, so problems is, and, and it's not even, you know, you say that and I have a conversation with somebody and I might even be in a low energy mood. I might be tired or whatever. And they come across with a problem and it's, it's, it's actually involuntary. My brain starts trying to solve the problem. And I just find that technology and, uh, cloud in particular and emerging technologies like data they they give us so many new solutions and better solutions to solving these problems um and so that's that's what gets me up it's i I can't help myself it's an addiction i like to solve problems well especially when those problems are areas that you really wouldn't have seen technology being used before uh i was talking to um the a lady who runs a, a startup organization there in Sydney uh, a couple of months ago and it focused very much in the agriculture world. I dabble in agriculture. I've garden and I do the things. Um, but it's really interesting to hear how, how in ag, okay, this just matters to me right now. Uh, you know, technology is being used at, you know, how do you use robots to water? How you, or, or even weed, how are you being intelligent about soil moisture? How are you tracking the amount of light that's on there? And, and really, uh, small companies, founders, just a couple of, couple of people in businesses can glue this technology together with a little bit of their own, you know, know-how. And, and a lot of times in this case is some, some sensors and whatnot and create brand new solutions that impact ultimately the way the world eats. Yeah, I mean, we, um, another customer of Rexspace that I know about is we actually help them with a high, a full on IoT solution to help try and um, farm products in containers. So rather than, if you think about the whole value chain and supply chain for food, it's got to get from the farm to the retail outlet, right? Going through a whole heap of different processes and that has an environmental impact, it has a time, it has a cost impact. So, you know, the goal of this was to use technology to actually build farming capabilities inside shipping containers that sat in um, like, um, what you call it, parking lots near the actual uh, retail outlets. So, you know, there was some, and some really cool, like, you know, you're looking at light sensors and you also needed an element of edge because you can't, if you lost connectivity, you can't just not water the plants or switch off the lights that they needed for the UV requirements and so forth. So, you know, some really interesting technology to solve for, you know, I imagine you could have that level of technology just in third world countries where you can't necessarily have all the right environments to ever do that day one. There's just so many implications. It's so fun. So yes. Well, I guess that's what gets you up in the morning, solving problems through the massive toolbox that is technology. Um, mm. I want to ask you another question, and you brought it up earlier, talking about your university experience, uh, one of five, only five women in the whole program. Uh, obviously, that's something that, that, well, the business world at large, but especially tech, really is is limited by, and that is the amount of, of, of diversity from men to women uh, in, in here. And so, one, have you seen changes recently? And then... Um, well, I'll let you answer that question. Yeah, no, look, so I think there's definitely, I mean, for every change, you need awareness first, right? You have to be aware that there's a need for change. And I think that that's the thing that has had the biggest impact. I mean, the number of, I talk to a lot of CTOs and organizations uh, and they're, they've all got diversity, both, you know, from gender diversity all the way through cultural diversity and so forth on their mind. So I think, I think we've entered the, like, you know, 15 years ago, people weren't talking about making sure you had diversity in the workplace, right? Um, so, so I think that's the thing that's happened the most. And I think there's also you know, different organizations 
you know, we're experimenting to try and work out how to, to have an impact on that diversity um, element. So you've got organisations who are doing things like um, trying to remove all sorts of gender bias and so forth from resumes that they go through when they go through the um, recruitment process. You've got, and, and that's like one direction. And then the other direction is actually, you know, like, uh, I was talking to some of the guys from Microsoft and they actually will not start an interview process until they have equal diversity, gender diversity in the number of applicants. So I think the industry is experimenting a little as to how do we make it so that that we can um, do this. But it's ultimately still a pipeline problem. So you can, you can make your organisation uh, a great place to work for um, females, working mums, all those kind of, of things, and that's great. But the fact of the matter is there's still only so many women. It's, it's still a, fi a, a finite yeah. pool that everyone's fishing from. And so I once, um, or a couple of times now, I've heard from, you know, various sources that people, and in particular girls make a decision around what direction they're um, going to take their career as early as 15. Wow. And that's the most, that's usually, and I was even talking to a, a colleague of mine who I've known for like, has been a mentor of mine for 20 years. And his daughter has just um, become a data scientist at AWS. And she made the decision to get into IT when she was 15 and went to a university program and saw all these, um, female engineers and um, data scientists and mathematicians doing all this cool stuff at university and acting as a role model. And she, that was the moment for her that it clicked. Yeah, exactly. And so I think what we really need to be doing is influencing at that stage. And so then when we're talking to me again in another 15 years, the story is different because the pipe, the pool of talent that we're working from is, is much bigger. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Well, I am so glad that you guys got to meet Emma Pudney. What a brilliant lady who is clearly passionate about transforming companies through the use of technology. Now, I want to encourage you to head over to rackspace.com solve, and there you'll find some information about our solve strategy series that's going on this year. We're putting four of these on in 2021, and we've already held one on data strategies. And I'd really encourage you to go and listen to the replay of that event. We actually had Jeremiah Oyang as our featured speaker. Now, while you're over at that solve website, there's some really incredible articles available over there, all for free, of course, no paywall. There's four strategies on leading a team with trust. Uh, we have an article on zero trust security and how to implement it, tackling AI and machine learning, and then, of course, more on data modernization. So take a moment to check that out. I'd also encourage you to go to wherever you find podcasts and subscribe to Cloud Talk and leave us one of those five-star reviews. Everyone really does help. Now, here's what we have coming for you in our next episode of Cloud Talk. 
Yeah, so as we continue to build our engineering team, we're looking at both. You know, like a lot of companies, you know, you, you got to know what you're good at. And in our case, we're really great hardware designers. So as we continue to build out new products in the future, we really want to continue building that inherent redundancy that the product works out of the box. But as we look to software, we really want to allow that to help drive a lot of our innovation. Some of the additional features, you know, what not everybody is buying it for. At the end of the day, we sell an automatic litter box that automatically scoops the litter box. And out of the box, that works really well. At the same time, if that automatic litter box can help to inform smarter pet decisions, that's great. And that's next time in our tech behind the industry, Pets Edition on Clown Talk. <laughs>